Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 146 for May 26th, 2023. Here's a quick rundown of tonight's articles. The very, oh, well, today's actually going to be named Skeleton Court. <laughs> uh, the very first article for today is um, The Front is Everything, Including Zombies. Then we're going to talk about Sonos, Here's the Sound of Victory. Then Taylor Swift says, you're losing me. Wait, that's not the bathroom door. Seinfeld inspired law in New Jersey. Wings for Hire has aerial dogfighting. An unfortunate typo for a nursing home. Minecraft 1.20 launches June 7th. A 110-inch 16K TV is a want. Fully automated self-driving my brain. And John Wick is slaying the competition. Let's get into today's show. Actually. My intro again did. I had muted my intro because I was doing something. But anyway, we'll just move on. Hello, hello. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com, but it's the wrong page. And shh, don't look at any of this. It's all a surprise. Close your eyes. Okay, now you can open your eyes. I don't know what's going on. It says that it's unstable again. Average stream bitrate too high. That's not good. I'm, I'm sending too much data out, apparently even though it's all green on my side. Huh. I don't know. Maybe if someone is listening and wants to advise if they hear it okay, because what's going out is fine. So I don't know. Anyway, um, we'll do what we did yesterday because there was a problem um, but 20 minutes after the show started, everything went green on Twitch's side. But the AI's audio was never a problem. So, um, uh, oddly the enough, <laughs> the joys of yeah, the joys of streaming. So, um, let's let's just get into the news. Uh, the the preamble was supposed to be something else, but. Uh, I'm, I'm watching the bit rate and everything's fine on one side and unstable on the other. So that is what it is. So the very first article, and we're going to just do this. We're going to get into it. The very first article is in the Warcrafters channel, travel back in time to fight zombies and tyranny in this upcoming survival shooter that's looking for beta testers right now. And this mayor has already signed up for this. The Front is a survival open world crafting shooter that promises a little bit of everything. It sets players up as resistance fighters um, who travel back in time to stop the rise of a tyrannical empire that used technology taken from mysterious artifacts to conquer the world. It sounds pretty straightforward as a sci-fi shooter setup and not immediately terrible. I'm game, so I signed up. 
As I seem to be saying lately, maybe this is my forever game. I just don't know. There are also zombies in this running around for some reason and exiles, thugs, and rebels to deal with. Tanks to drive, planes to fly, and even bases to build and defend with tower defense style traps. What I see when I go over to PCGamer.com and I followed the link, filled out the little beta form. It's a Google Doc. Um, I can I can honestly say that uh, I'm on board with this thing. Andy Chalk over at PCGamer.com put this article together. There's a lot going on in the front, even more in the back, but <laughs> but is it business in the front party in the back? It's all business up front party in the rear. Yeah. yeah. Wait anyway. Um, but it looks weird enough that it might be interesting. So I'm going to, I'm going to, it's muted already. I'm going to hit play and um, we'll talk about this. We'll talk this through. It says Aurora and Artificial Intelligence. Oh, let me back up. Aurora and Artificial Super Intelligence and Time Travel Technology offer one last chance at salvation, return to the past, and alter the tides of fate. Of fate. Anyway, it's a closed beta that they're seeking. You stand on this little teleporter. Apparently, something swings around you a whole bunch of times like you're in a carnival and then off you go to from all high tech to uh, the, the base of a pyramidal like structure with airships dirigibles of all things you'd think sci-fi well i guess not all of it is high high tech everywhere when you go back in time but there's like bugs there's it's just pretty frenetic actually um, but you have to go and chop wood and build bases and drive cars and double barrel shotguns and apparently just shoot random people as you're running around. This is probably, this is probably the most interesting crafting survival builder I've seen. Oh, here we come. Uh, forever game. Yeah. And then you have these giant castle like structures with. Um, rust style contraptions to block people, but then helicopters, which I don't think are in rust. This seems like a great game to me. Um, so yeah, I'm going to put it on my list of forever games. And while I do that, I'm going to throw this into the chat so that you can follow the link. <sighs> Something weird is still going on with this. I'm going to refresh this page and see what happens uh, because it never showed <laughs> the title in the chat, but it says it's recording everything. So, all right, whatever. We'll do it live. Well, and our tester cannot test because of the device being in oh. the wrong location. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Uh, well, we'll have to look for somebody else. Okay, not a big deal. Let's get going. Um, let's go on to the next article since... Uh, actually, no, no, no. Before I go on to the next article, let's let's run through this. It's available on Steam. Um, you can put it in your um, 
watch list. It says the front is a survival open world crafting shooter that promises a little bit of everything. Games that throw in everything in the kitchen sink often end up directionless messes, but the trailer for the front actually looks kind of interesting to the author. Um, again, that's Andy Chalk. Um, looks interesting to me. It says feature featuring a day night cycle, dynamic weather, cyclical eco ecosystems. The world of the front is a realistic and, immer and immersive one. Contend with hunger and thirst, fight unique enemies, engage in deadly gun raids, and roar across the land in powerful tanks. Explore dense forests, snowy regions, deserts found across a um, map of 36 square kilometers. Seems like it's going to be fun, honestly. So it says here the front is currently available for wish listing on Steam and Epic game stores. And... Um, you can also follow along with what's happening on the front discord, which I didn't sign up for yet. I'm gonna have to do that, but they do have an application survey. That's a Google doc, um, for the closed beta. I don't know exactly what they're looking for, but they ask some pretty simple questions about your configuration and your interests and when you'd be available. Um, do you know what a game is? Yes. You're in pretty much. Yeah. It's the opposite of the, are you here to overthrow the government? You would never say yes to that. Just a crow employment tip. <laughs> anyway, um, looks like a fun game. Let's hope that it is. This is not a game. This is don't mistake Redfall for the front. They are not close to the same. Okay, let's move on to the next article. Sonos hears the sound of victory. That's right. Sonos wins $32.5 million in a patent infringement victory over Google, which I'm sure is going to be appealed or something. Um, Google's been ordered to pay Sonos $32.5 million for infringing on the company's smart speaker patent, a jury verdict uh, issued in a San Francisco courtroom on Friday found that uh, Google smart speakers and media players infringed on one of two Sonos patents at issue. And to me, it seems like it was a fast lawsuit started in 2020. Ended in 2023, mid 2023. Seems like it would be pretty fast for an IP based lawsuit. That's usually bound by tons of due diligence and you know, reviewing countless documents about when something was known and what the source of that knowing is. When Sonos accused Google of copying its patented multi room audio technology after the companies partnered in 2013. That's apparently when things went a little quirky. Uh, Sonos went on to win its case uh, at the U.S. International Trade Commission, resulting in an import ban. This is over at TheVerge.com. Emma Roth and Chris Welch put the article together. Jurors found Google products infringed on one of Sonos's smart speaker patents and said it should pay $2.30 for each of the more than 14 million devices sold. That's not bad. 
if that's well, the license. considering it's only two dollars and thirty cents, think about if it was a hundred dollars or whatever per. Yeah, I wonder if that's the licensing for that one. So what about the other patent? You know, that's still sitting there. Well, and is that one was it found that there was no infringement on the other? Like, I don't we don't know what happened with that one. Yeah, so um, let's see here. Google also had to pull some of the features from its lineup of smart speakers and smart displays. Wow, that would not be good. If I purchase something and suddenly features were remotely disabled through a software update, I would be pissed. Um, we are deeply grateful for the jury's time and diligence in upholding the validity of our patents and recognizing the value of Sonos's inventions of zone scenes. Eddie Lazarus. Interesting. So I have not looked at what the merit of this lawsuit is. Zone scenes sounds. What do you want to call it? Nebulous would probably be the term. <laughs> it's also interesting since they partnered together and then this arose. Um, I don't know. It seems like regardless of what the company did, you think they'd be extra careful following the partnership so that they didn't get into that space. Well, this is one of the reasons why a lot of companies don't do this kind of stuff, uh, because they don't necessarily want to run afoul of this contamination of the, what do you, the provenance of intellectual property development. So um, a lot of companies won't even let you pitch an idea to somebody uh, because of this. Well, we were working on this as well, just because you said something while you were drunk one day and contacted us doesn't mean that we infringed on any of your idea. You can't protect an idea, but a lot of people think that pitching an idea to somebody is tantamount to having a patent or a trademark or a copyright, none of which is true and each of which are further and further away from what it really is. So it says, this is a narrow dispute about some very specific features that are not commonly used. Google spokesperson Peter Schottenfels says in a statement to The Verge, of the six patents Sonus originally asserted, only one was found to be infringed and the rest were dismissed as invalid or not infringed. We have always developed technology independently and competed on the merit of our ideas. We are considering our next steps. AKA appeal. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. So it says here, the decision will go down as an embarrassing defeat for Google, but both companies were the subject of blunt criticism from Judge William Alsop, who has presided over many tech company courtroom battles. Alsop expressed frustration that this case ever went to trial in the first place and the two sides were unable to settle. He said it was emblematic of the worst of patent litigation. He also noted the technical jargon surrounding the patents at issue. At one point, checking with jurors to make sure they hadn't fallen asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch, when the judge is like, this is just boring. <laughs> hey, are you all awake? <laughs> you know, it's interesting with the settlement piece, because I, I mean, if they were smart, Google would find out some way to do business with Sonos, so... 
you know, even if the revenue is still flowing to Sonos, they feel like they're getting something out of it instead right. of just doing this, uh, this verdict. But anyway. Yeah, time to find a happy medium. They didn't want to pay because they didn't feel that they infringed on the patent at all. Um, but I suppose paying $14 million, you know, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Obviously, somewhere in the data, the, the phrase is that jurors generally get it right and the legal system generally gets it right and <laughs> law gets it right, generally gets it right. I don't know. Maybe the people just didn't like the jury, didn't like the uh, Google attorneys and said, oh, you know, well, it's Google. They've got deep pockets. Sonos is about to implode. Let's just pay Sonos some money. You know, I don't know. But it's the... <laughs> or maybe they fell asleep during the key testimony. I mean, we don't know. <laughs> and they got the sides wrong or something. I don't know. There's a lot here in that when you're talking about IP, it could be one document that says... Hey, you know, we're doing something really close to Sonos. And that's enough for a jury to go, okay. They were partnered for crying out loud. Of course, the, the IP was contaminated. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> it is what it is, though. So, yeah, $32.5 million um, because of um, one patent infringement. Can you imagine what it would be if... All of them. What was the number that he said? 26 patents. Oh, well, no. there was 200 something. Let's see. Oh, they believe that 200 of their patents are infringed by Google, but yeah. maybe not in that litigation. Wow. Yeah. Um, of the six originally asserted. So that the article at the beginning hints that only one of two right but they're saying sonos is saying 200 and everybody deeper in the article is saying six and of the six two became like the the nuts and bolts of the case and then one got cast aside so <laughs> what i think happened is they have some big problem with Google. They might have other litigation with them or they might not. In this, right. they probably went after six um, patent infringements and I'm assuming four of them got dismissed earlier and then um, the two went to a verdict right. um, is what I, I, I think happened. Yeah, that's they kind of say But I agree, it. the numbers are all over the place. Yeah, that would be a big, big, big number if more of those patents would have been infringed. I mean, just massive, debilitating. <laughs> think about the testimony and worse, think about the discovery on that. Yeah, it took three like years. You wouldn't have it. It would take more than a whole room of documents, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, at least it's over until they've decided that they're going to appeal. Let's go on to the next article. Oh, poor Taylor Swift. What are we going to do? How can all of society, all of the Swifties save 
poor Taylor Swift from her own decision making. Oh, that poor woman. Taylor Swift has fans losing it with the revealing lyrics of a new song, You're Losing Me. Sad songs say so much, as the man said. Um, it's interesting they don't name who it is, but... I can think of the song, but I can't think of who sings it. <laughs> yeah, it's like John Denver or something. I don't it's know. It's somebody from the 80s, I think. Um, you, I think the AI should look it up. Anyway, and in the case of a brand new Taylor Swift song, You're Losing Me, some of her fans believe the lyrics say plenty about her relationship status over the last year or so. If her material is nothing, if not almost always immediately quotable. Sorry, I just saw something flying in front of me. Okay, Let's go over sorry. To that was by Elton John and it was in 1984. Thank you. Um, there's like a little gnat in here. I don't know how that even happened. Anyway, um, this is a Variety.com article. Talk about the train falling off these tracks for crying out loud. You know, we haven't heard very much about tra trains lately. Oh, no, we haven't. In fact, Wait, we don't, were don't. seeing almost every day for a yeah, while. Let's not get sidetracked. Sorry get it sidetracked because anyway so chris willman over at variety.com put the article together um in her material if her material is nothing if not almost always immediately quotable you're losing me has some lulus i, I don't know what a lulu is um starting with i wouldn't marry me either a pathological people pleaser who only wanted you to see her Am I going to get a takedown for quoting these lyrics? I don't, I don't know. I guess I don't know, but I had to look up Lulu, which is an outstanding example of a particular type of person or thing. All right. So, oh, well, a thing. I guess these are things. Uh, the overall tone, though, is less sad than weary, bordering on fatalistic. Do I throw everything out we built up or we built or keep it? I'm getting tired even for a phoenix always rising from the ashes mending all her gashes you might just have dealt the final blow this poor poor person how will she cope with all of the millions of dollars um so just Look, all, not all of these songs are written by Taylor Swift. They could be written by somebody else. I don't know if she writes all of her l music. I'm sure she does uh, some, but a lot of famous people get their m music written by others who say, your voice would be perfect for my song. Here you go. And off to the races, they produce a song. Anyway, the new track is not widely available. It was supposed to be a CD exclusive, but apparently that hasn't fully played out. It's gone viral. Um, the song is not a letdown in that regard. It, there's some text up above that they talk about it. 
It's being billed as a vault track, written during the same writing sessions that produced the Smash Midnight's album. It would hardly have fit stylistically or thematically on that record, as the album tended toward upbeat, sensual fare. While this is the first song Swift has put out in years that appears to describe a present-day relationship in unhappy terms, and is likely to be perceived as personal, not fictional. So, and the reason why I think that they're putting this tilt on it is that she is perceived to be in a relationship with what her fans say is a bad relationship because the guy apparently is kind of a tool. Yet she describes herself as not being ever happier than she is now. Um, so they kind of tear this song apart, right? They mention, it says the mention of marriage or lack of it will be particularly provocative to fans. Swift had sounded almost dismissive of matrimony in a recent song, Lavender Haze. It's almost like people are taking her music as if it is a documentary of her entire existence moment by moment. Yes, I mean, but she has almost a, it's almost like a meme that anybody that she dates, for instance, shows up in her songs. But I think right. that's the case for really anybody, but she's especially expected to have that. So I think that's kind of an extension of it. But right, I mean, for all we know, she's writing a song about something she read a book about or somebody in her family that's not even her or, or whatever it is the point is or, it's not all about her but it could be sia that wrote that song or a song exactly. you know I, I don't i'm not saying that i'm just saying that somebody else very skilled at writing and making music could have created that song and provided it to them um they may not even get credit for it in the publication of the work because they want it to be under Taylor Swift's name. It's just licensed so that they can get it. They get a piece of the action, that kind of thing. Um, kind of what I had. Well, anyway, so the idea is people, my problem really, and it's not really my problem. It's just my observation is that it seems like people really lean into it's Taylor Swift. This is the heart and soul of Taylor Swift's existence and not a business well, person creating music. <laughs> That's because people like live vicariously through celebrities, I think. But it is interesting. Right. <laughs> I mean, what if she wrote none of these and everybody's, you know, over analyzing every detail and she's like, I don't even know who the person is in the song or whatever. Maybe that's what, that would be a fun show, wouldn't it? To look at the lyrics and, and talk about them, the lyrics and do some research and, and just have a show once a week that just talks about a couple of songs that might be from a particular artist. That would um, be interesting. I mean, it would be hard to do any significant guess, research. Yeah. Um, like you wouldn't necessarily be able to determine what's behind it, but oh no, it'd be an interesting well, discussion. Just call her up, say, "Hey, I'm doing a show about 
you're losing me and um oh yeah we definitely have taylor swift on speed dial here in hometown (laughs) taylor if you're listening uh be sure to message us (laughs) (laughs) so the song isn't even available apparently the video it says the video is no longer available due to a copyright claim by umg um they actually talk about the lyrics actually all of the lyrics are published here which is usually a no-no um at least not without permission. Wow, they really are, huh? The, all That's of the especially lyrics. surprising with the copyright claim. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Lyrics for the new song, as transcribed by fans, with a rare instance of a swift bridge being longer than any of the track's verses or choruses. <laughs> all right, whatever. Let's move on. <laughs> This next article, it'll be this one will be quick. Um, So we will take off from this one, much like the plane. This one's in the mobile channel. Passenger opens airplane door mid flight 12 slightly hurt, according to uh, the Hill article that we're about to follow. This is a Seoul, South Korea uh, article from the AP. A passenger opened an emergency exit I think that they were looking for a bathroom, but <clears throat> uh, maybe not. Out on the wing? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, it's roomier out there. Um, causing air to blast inside the cabin and slightly injure 12 people. Uh, the plane landed safely. Some people aboard the Asiana, uh, is that pronounced correctly? Asiana Airlines Airbus A321. Uh, aircraft tried to stop the person who was able to partially open the door the transport ministry said i saw this um and it looks like the door well the way that the door opens it wasn't possible for it to fully open because air i think the air pressure would have kept the door closed unless it's so hydraulic that it it will push itself open um but i think the ramp the the little uh, inflatable slide that door had blown off too um because the plane you can see that slide um inside the hull of the ship so uh, oh, the wow. plane yeah the plane i mean um so the person was detained by air airport police on suspicion of violating the aviation security law suspicion uh, a ministry <laughs> exactly <of Stevenson. laughs> Did you open the door? Did a hundred people see you open the door? Yeah, it's like that U-Haul driver, you know. Did you open the door? I was trying to overthrow. And, okay, so the person, the person's identity, identity and motive weren't immediately released. So the article is over at the Hill. It's an Associated Press article. Um, I'm gonna. Oh, well, that's not the article. You know what? For all of us there's the video it actually um looks like it is open but um it looks very open when you when you look at the side of the plane when it has landed it doesn't look like it could open all the way but see because it opens forward so how did it open i mean that door must be built as some special stuff um 
because it slides open. So how did it actually open? I just think that it's pretty amazing that it actually did open. It looks like it's wide the hell open. Yes, it but does. And they're lucky nobody was got sucked out. pulled out. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, let me pause that. At any rate, uh, the plane with 194 people aboard was heading to the southeastern city of, uh, I guess it's Daegu. I'm not sure. Uh, from the southern island of Jeju. Again, I might be pronouncing that incorrectly because I guess I'm a dummy. Uh, let me throw this article over into the chat real quick. And um, so let's see. The flight was normally about an hour and the incident occurred when the plane was reaching the uh, Daegu airport at an altitude of 700 feet. A video apparently taken by a person on board that was posted on social media shows some passengers' hair being whipped by the air, blowing into the cabin through the door. Man, that seatbelt had to have been so tight. The passengers included teenage athletes on their way to a track and field competition. Some screamed and cried in panic. I would. Um, hand me my brown pants, uh, would be my statement. Twelve people were taken to the hospital for treatment, according to them. Oh, transportation ministry, breathing problems, minor other symptoms. Pretty amazing stuff. I'm not sure why a, a, a door should be able to open mid-flight, uh, but maybe there isn't a way to adequately check that. Because in you can't lock it, because in terms of an emergency, somebody would have to come and unlock it. So... You kind of have right, to steer. Right, and that's always part of the safety procedures. Like, here's how to open the door if you need to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, again, let me. I'm just gonna rewind this because. So, th that could just be. I wish this would actually be more clear. That might just be that it's not fully open, or whatever I saw or we see at the next thing is the wrong door it's a different door than this one because this one i can't make that one it looks out pretty closed but the other thing looked like it was wide open right so it looks like the door is right there about to slide that way so it's actually just popped out and there's so much light flooding in that it's just blowing out the um because the way that the door opens is it pushes out and then slides over on a on a hinge. Um, but that it's kind of like a um, like a what you call it? It looks mini... like a minivan door style. Yeah, that's. I what mean, it... obviously a little sturdier, but yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. Um, but then when you look at the door, it actually has the little ramp right there. That little contraption. Um, That's right. The ramp is open too. So uh, they did a number. That's quite fascinating. So let's let's go on to the next article. This one's interesting because Seinfeld has been off the air for I don't know how long. Well, I mean, it's always playing, so I mean, no new episodes are coming. Right, but it's probably been at least 20 years. Yeah. 
So this is in the Law Nerd channel. Seinfeld episode inspired new telemarketing law in New Jersey. Democratic New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy signed a bill last week that 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 I swear we're in the matrix or something, some whatever. And uh, every once in a while, the, the data merge kind of messes up and you get a the or a that that. Anyway, they signed a bill that that requires telemarketers to provide a callback number and to identify themselves. Not bad. Deborah Kasson's Weiss over at the ABAjournal.com put this article together. This is almost like the death knell for telemarketers. If you don't provide a callback number and identify yourself themselves and whom they represent within the first 30 seconds, they're basically, I'm, oh, I'm well past eight minutes. They're up shit Creek without a paddle. This is amazing. This is what I think we need, but it needs to have teeth, right? Um, now let's go for the right to be forgotten. Oh, well, that'll be, that'll die on the vine way before it even uh, grows. So the bill is inspired by the episode of the TV show Seinfeld in which Jerry Seinfeld spars with a telemarketer, um, reports NorthJersey.com and NBC News. In the episode, Seinfeld tells a telemarketer who called him that he is busy but he can call back if the telemarketer provides a home number and the telemarketer says that they're not allowed. Oh, I guess you don't want people calling you at home. Well, now you know how I feel. Now, the bill bars telemarketers uh, calling between the hours of 9 p.m. and 8 a.m. Uh, that's still early. Um, I've never really, I don't and think I've still gotten, late. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think I've ever gotten anything um, between those hours. Uh, 48 states, meanwhile, are trying to prevent robocalls made to uh, phone numbers on the National Do Not Call Registry. That's been around for a decade or something like that. Yeah. None of this matters. I mean, I'm getting texts from somebody that I've been blocking, and that block list now is probably about 25 phone numbers. So I could be blocking somebody that's actually important because they're spoofing the numbers. Well, exactly. And when you see things where it's like your own number spamming you or whatever, you don't even know what you're blocking anymore. <laughs> Wild. Did you hear that little clicking? I did. Okay. Um, I guess I'm going to have to pursue this a little bit harder. Um, I'm trying to figure out there's a buzz. So if you all hear that, uh, it's now amplified because I have a, a different cable. Anyway, I'm telling you, it's like a hot mess here in hometown. Uh, everything was fine and, and now it's not. Anyway, um, Seinfeld. Uh, like a it's so prophetic it's like a documentary of reality of life it sucks that it's off the air i but the context for why it went off the air that basically all of these people weren't able to take advantage of the popularity of the show because the contract was bound a certain way they wouldn't renegotiate it and so 
people weren't making as much. They were doing all of this work, et cetera, et cetera. Apparently, that's what the nature of that the whole end of the show. The show was immensely popular, not only right up to the end, but still to this day. <clears throat> well, and I guess so. There are so many references out there that relate to Seinfeld, and it's pretty astounding given that it's been off the air for so long. Yeah. And it's not like one of those, you know, first TV shows that everybody knows, but it is just, it's so based on everyday life that I think people connect with it. Yeah. It was a show within a show that was about nothing. So it was just awesome. Maybe that's what we can talk about. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, people still go back and do Star uh, Star Trek and Star Wars and all of that kind of stuff. I think this would be a great show. Although well, there's lots of seasons. <laughs> yeah. Um. Hopefully they, well, they'll never reboot it. There's just no way to reboot it. Okay. Well, and so much of the content would just be like, mm, I'm not sure this episode can be made today. <laughs> <laughs> very true um okay let's let's go on to the next one uh this next article is in the tabletop knights channel aerial dogfighting rpg sky oceans wings for hire announced um yeah this is one of the games that i actually kind of dig the idea of but it says uh publisher p cube i guess and developer Octeto Studios have announced Sky Ocean's Wings for Hire. The game is a turn-based RPG with players taking the role of a captain in a ragtag party of sky pirates and participating in aerial dogfights. It's in development for PC, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, um, Nintendo Switch, though a release window has not been announced. Sky Ocean's Wings for Hire is a set centuries after an event called the Great Scattering, which shattered the planet's surface, leaving uh, large areas in the skies. This is over at rpgamer.com, put together by Alex Fuller. That's what the article um, is written by. The game sees Glenn recruiting a party of fellow sky pirates, each with their own backgrounds, tastes, and players can form bonds with them that impact combat. The turn-based battle system sees players making strategic decisions, including selecting attacks and choosing whether to try and evade incoming fire. Players can upgrade their equipment. Very RPG-like. Oh, and that's because it's a turn-based RPG. Ta-da! So, I thought it was an RPG, but I thought maybe I missed something. <laughs> um, what's interesting is that it has... It says that it's turn-based, um, but it looks like it has actual flying. So here is the video for it, right? The still show action. So how is it turn-based? I'm going to mute it. Um, let's see. Yeah, it has actual flying. I don't know how this is turn-based. This doesn't look turn-based to me. 
you're actually flying a plane, selecting items. It, maybe it has like a staccato action where you select a target, the randomizer rolls. It looked rolls. like that might be there from something I saw, um, but I agree in general, it doesn't look like that. I mean, it looks like you're actually flying the, like that. It says uh, game and development, game, gameplay footage, not final, but you're running around. Kind of like a, like a, like Pokemon, you know? Huh. I don't know. This is where I think it, maybe it was turn-based, like at the end of the video, but. Huh. We'll keep an I don't eye know. on it. We'll keep an eye on it. Um, it doesn't say that it's over on Steam, right? Yeah, it doesn't say anything about Steam. And there isn't anything at the end of the article, so. Um, follow the link, go over and check it out. There isn't really much to the article, uh, but it might be interesting to um, watch this and see if maybe something really exciting is going to come out of this. Oh, it's um, for consoles and PC, it looks like. Oh, so it should have been on Steam, but anyway. Yeah, it's pretty much like everything is on Steam, right? <laughs> Which is great. I, I like that kind of thing where it's everywhere all at once. Everything everywhere all at once. Um, let's go on to the next article. Now, this one just kind of tickled me. Um, it's in poor taste, but it still tickled me. Hometown Daily, that's the name of the show. It's the name of the channel over on hometown.com. Nursing home apologizes over unfortunate typo spotted in ad. The local resident who spotted the mistake said it was a bold choice of name considering the age of many residents. <laughs> <laughs> I fell in love with this. Okay, so I'm going to, okay, let me back up a little bit. Jack Beresford is the author of this over at Newsweek.com. And I'm going to play the video. So a UK nursing home made an ad for Skelton Court Care Home. <laughs> Except the ad says Skeleton Court Care Home. <laughs> Ouch, you know that's some autocorrect somewhere. But okay, so I I read some of this because it's it's a really short article. It says when you're writing here here's the equivocation here's here's the uh, well you know it's it's not really our fault it's just human da 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 kind of a thing. I mean somebody else should have looked at this. You know, several people. The person who created the ad should have given it to an editor. The oh, editor absolutely. should have given it somebody else um, to review. Everybody sit down and look at the ad in a boardroom and go, is this what we want to see on a billboard somewhere? When you're right. But, but they say this. This is what they say in the article. When you're this is somebody's quote, by the way, and it doesn't look like they actually give a name to this person's quote. Um, I guess it's just the advertising agency. Yeah. Anyway, so 
Typos make for a source of ridicule online. They have a bolded in and a URL, right? Typo, typo guy. Wait, it says down in the URL typo guys bring cats, booze, sports session. No idea what that URL is, but if you click on this, when you go there, I'm sure it's going to be entertaining. Anyway, it says, but they are not evidence of the writing being ignorant or careless. A psychologist, Tom Stafford, previously explained in an interview with Wired, typos are a byproduct of the human brain attempting to distill complex thoughts into words and sentences. No, typos are the res are the byproduct of not uh, being methodical about your reading and what you are perceiving. And when you know that human brains are fallible, the moment that you become the, the moment that you say to yourself, humans are fallible, I should probably get somebody else to look at this. That's when you know that you are cognizant of the fact of just how fallible you are. So when you're going to do something important, like, I don't know, create the represent the graphic representation of the messaging you're trying to uh, distill and then deliver to a client, you get more than one person looking at it. One second. But, you know, so, you see things even like permanent road signs that have really obvious typos. So sure. I don't know. But it's largely because uh, you're left to your own devices and psychologically you fill in the blank. You solve the problem in your head. Intellectually, you solve the problem. I can't count how many times I've read somebody's paragraph. I already know the nuts and bolts of what they are writing about. And so my brain fills in that blank. And, and then when I re respond, I, I'm like, well, wait, that's not what they actually said. in in the paragraph that they sent, they left out a little bit here, a little bit there, but I, my brain fills in the blanks because I'm trying to solve a problem. I don't necessarily need to scan and and, you know, discern the deeper meaning of every single word. So I would have, there's a really good chance that I would have skipped this thinking that it said skeleton, but it really says skeleton. Well, unto our brains, that looks correct more than skeleton does. But I would not have let this fly because I would have given it to several other people. <laughs> Um, and, and largely, and this is what I tell people regularly. Okay. When somebody's putting together a business plan, when somebody's putting together a marketing plan, when somebody's talking about business strategy, um, I tell them you should have somebody who loves you and hates you. They're willing to crush you spiritually with a red pen and they understand grammar, spelling, they, they know what you are trying to deliver as a product or a service or whatever it is that you're about to show to somebody else, somebody that's, you know, deciding your financial fate. Give whatever it is you're working with to somebody else to look at it, because if they start chuckling, you've already, you've filled in the blank. 
So you've put out the fire and you think that everything's okay, but they see skeleton and you see skeleton. <laughs> so they equivocate here. Okay. Uh, when you're writing, you're trying to convey meaning. It's very high level task. We don't catch every detail. We're not like computers or NSA databases. Rather, we take in sensory information and combine it with what we expect and we extract meaning. Well, no. When you're putting together a graphic representation of your message, you look at it and you need to be very detail oriented so that you can catch the giant E <laughs> that's sitting there changing the entire. It went way beyond this. This, I think, was just kind of lazy. But that was the psychologist speaking. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that quotation, but it wasn't the ad agency. That was answering that question. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, so in the ad, a young, a young carer. Is that, that's interesting. Is that how? Uh, maybe in the UK or somewhere that's, uh, I mean, I'm not familiar with that in the US. Interesting. Um, usually, I think we normally call them caregivers. Mm -hmm. um, can be seen conversing with an elderly man with the poster noting the fact skeleton court care home uh, will be welcoming new residents from March. <laughs> that's just well that was i thought that was the thing because i'm like it makes it sound kind of morbid like there's gonna be some openings that's that's some serious world building there for I mean, pathfinder it's funny, you know? but it's funny yeah, come on pretty much anything can be humorous um and in this you have to it says he wasn't alone in seeing the funny side of the typo I hope that doesn't relate to the staffing levels. One Twitter user joked with another quipping, talk about a bone of contention with a third branding the mistake unfortunate. <laughs> Did you so, see the name of the user that started joking about it? No, I skipped right over it. Posting a picture of the ad spotted at a local bus stop, slow bones joked. <laughs> That's funny. That's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. So they go by slow bones. Yeah, that's funny. I love it, though. Bold choice of name, considering the age of many residents. <laughs> uh, I love that sense of humor. That's great. Um, let's see. Proofreading is one of the most underrated tasks in advertising, said somebody. Um yeah, I don't know. Anchor, the company that runs Skelton Court Care Home, apologized for the mistake. We're really sorry for the error in the ad. We're getting it removed as soon as possible and looking into how it happened. Yeah, like the person putting it up, why didn't they notice it? Exactly. You know they had Somebody. to have seen it and probably yeah. even laughed at it. That would be funny. Yeah, so many eyes on it and, and nobody noticed it that's the thing so let's go on to the next article uh this next article is in warcrafters and uh it, we're gonna make this one really quick minecraft 1.20 trails and tales update is launching on june 7th i've actually started getting more into minecraft um but only because i kind of 
uh, fell in love with large data packs, large mod packs, um, like, uh, Dawncraft, um, or RL craft. RL craft is just too brutal for me. I'm a noob in Minecraft. Uh, you know, I kind of dig it, but I don't really like the, the game's requirements as they are like going to the end and going to the nether. I want a more dynamic environment than those steps. Um, and I don't really care about the ender dragon. I understand the story and that there's lore now and it's being retconned into something even more cogent than what people knew. Um, and, um, there's a lot of people that are playing it. Uh, I, the, the, uh, the culture around Minecraft is amazing, but now it's getting much deeper, much broader. The verticality is increasing. There's a lot of buzz now, huh? You hear that? Just all of a sudden, I didn't hear it really before. <sighs> okay. That's going to drive me nuts. But anyway, um, so the everything about minecraft is getting richer so I, I really i'm starting to like it um with rtx um not really coming to uh minecraft there there was some talk about it but then it just kind of disappeared i was hoping that it would actually show up but apparently the java edition and rtx don't like to play with each other so you have to get these shaders um other extensions to um which isn't really rtx it's just enhanced graphics um it it's still a beautiful game i really dig playing it i just want more i want more i want questing i want i basically want wow and um or like final fantasy to merge into world of warcraft world of warcraft into um minecraft minecraft <laughs> and, and have that survival base building kind of thing going on and the closest that i've seen so far is uh dawncraft um or there's a couple of others um i can't remember them all off the top of my head but it's called world like of minecraft is what you're trying to get to <laughs> sort of without the grind um like the way that Minecraft or the way that World of Warcraft is now. I'm merging all of my crafts. Anyway, there's there's a lot like better Minecraft and, and stuff is is out there now. Anyway, it's all pretty cool. Um, so 1.20 is coming out. The big ticket bits of Minecraft 1.20 are the archaeology feature, which is bringing suspicious sand and suspicious gravel which players can sweep away to uncover tools bones and eggs to hatch the new giant sniffer creature um, which in turn will dig up ancient plants in the overworld so the world building is continuing for minecraft um, it, it seems to be in little drips and stuff like that but the mod community is making minecraft so much richer than the true developers of it. And I pretty much say the mod makers are the ones that are the true developers of Minecraft um, at this stage of the game. There's so much passion put into them. 
um, making the games very feature rich. So the source of this is PCGamer.com and Lauren Martin. Says the next major game update brings camels, cherry trees, and that long-awaited archaeology feature. Seems like fun, but right when I'm getting into 1.19.2 and 4, now there's 1.20, and here we go. Which I would normally read as 1.2, but it, that's not the right... That's not how you read it. It's 1.20 because 1.2 is 1.02. Oh, okay. Anyway, the big feature list um, has been known for a while and test builds have been available for a few months with the only remaining mystery being its release date. Well, it's June 7th. There's a whole bunch more over at this article. Um, so follow that. And uh, did I not throw that into the chat? Man. You know, AI, I think that you're going to have to start doing this. You'll just have to give me total control. Oh, my. Then that Terminator body will definitely be me. Okay, let's go on to the next article. Before you even got a chance to try 8K, here's the first 110-inch 16K TV. That's right. It's in Warcrafters for I don't know why reason, probably because it came from PC Gamer. It really needs to be in the Wanted channel, which is probably where I'll end up moving it. Um, when it comes to PC gaming, there's still a reasonable debate uh, uh, to be had over the merits of 4K versus ye old 1440. Yes, most people play uh, 1080 each. But forget all that because the world's first 110 inch 16K TV has now been revealed. That's right, folks. Hometown needs a new TV. So if you want to give, um, you can send donations via however you want to donate. <laughs> just, <laughs> let, just let me know via mayor at hometown.com. For now, <clears throat> it's a prototype item uh, rather than something that you can actually buy. The actual resolution is 15,360 by 8,640 pixels. And that means this monster is essentially four 8K pixel grids jammed together, 16 4K displays, or a ridiculous 64 1080p panels. That means... Are you thinking bank of change? <laughs> yeah, really. If you come to us with a dollar and you need change, we're going to give you four quarters. No less, no more. That's right, at the bank of change. We give you what you need, as long as it is equal to the amount of money that you gave us. So, I see myself... With a 110 inch 16K TV. And then I can just have little windows on the 16K. I can have 64 1080p pictures or 16 4K displays. Dun, 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 dun. 110 inches. I can do all the things on this one display. 
So does that mean you would only need one display? I would only have one display, yeah, in uh, Hometown Central. Hometown Central Command will only need one. There's that buzz again. It has to be this mic. But it's... I gotta stop talking about it. Okay, um, so the article's over at PCGamer.com. And uh, before I throw that there, let me throw it into the chat. So um, I have to say, I was a little hesitant to submit this article. (laughs) (laughs) So Jeremy Laird over at uh, PCGamer.com put this article together. And there's an actual video. Let me, I'm going to play it. Let me mute it. So... You're not going to get much out of this other than the fact that it is a giant screen, but it looks like an ultra wide. Um, So it's not, it looks a lot thinner than it is. I mean, it's longer and not as tall um, than like the 85 inch uh, TV that most people, if they want it like a giant screen, the 85 is pretty much where it's at. Um, like in my lab, I've got two, (laughs) um, of those 85s and they're thicker than this, like taller. Um, looks pretty amazing. Looks pretty crisp. I think it said 4,000 nits. That can't possibly be right. I'm going to pause this video and scroll down. I want to see if they've got some more stats somewhere in here. Um, It comes to us from BOE, a major TV and monitor panel maker that makes just the screens rather than fully finished products that you can buy. Some specs were, oh, 400 nits. It looked like it said 4,000 nits. Um, But anyway, it's an LCD panel, good for 400 nits, a contrast ratio of 1,200 to 1, and 99% of the uh, color gamut. DCI-P3, um, all of which implies that it's a monster IPS type panel. And it also runs at 160 hertz. So if you're attuned, if your eyes and your brain are attuned to 120, you'll notice the difference. Um, speaking of which, it says Toei says, or Toe, um, says the display was actually running 8K content upscaled to 16K. Yeah, because there is no 16K content. I'd I'd say. Um, right. We don't even have 4K in some things yet. Yeah. Um, you can record 8K. I think Black Magics and Reds do the do 8K now. Um, but 16K content, I don't know if that even exists. <laughs> Maybe it's like uh uh what are those? Big old cameras, the, the the really huge ones that are designed to do the wraparound screens. Like a panoramic? Is that what you mean? No, it has that dome. Um, what is it called? It's on the tip of my tongue. You know, that just sucks when I feel like this. Anyway, um... So there may not be anything that actually does true 16K. It all gets upscaled. Um, They say right at the end of this article, in the end, this is all a bit of a distraction. 
uh, like I said on the outset. In a world where 4K is hardly a no-brainer for PC gaming and NVIDIA just launched the $400 RTX 4060 Ti aimed at 1080p gameplay, a display panel that generates 64 times that load um, and 16 times isn't hugely relevant. So, by the way, the RTX 4060 is pretty much the same as a 3060 um, based on it's like 20% faster than a, a 3060. So, save but a lot money. more expensive, right? No, no, not really. It's probably around the same price point nowadays. Um, I mean, if you want to get a 4060 Ti um, or Ti, um, then uh, you'll be getting the newest generation of card with that software versus the older 3060 cards. Um, but 400 bucks, I don't know. Wait until the market continues to rail against NVIDIA. The, the thing that's keeping NVIDIA from imploding right now is probably the AI market because that's what they're generating a lot of revenue off of because they use the GPU chips for AI because they're compu uh -huh. computationally more robust um, than CPUs. GPUs are designed to crunch numbers um, in a purer way uh, instead of large instruction sets like a CPU does. Okay, well, anyway, um, I want this uh, even though I don't really need it um, and I will not get it, so... That's okay. We can all have dreams. The next article is over in the hometown daily uh, channel. And the title of this is okay. People really don't want Elon Musk, a guy whose cars have caught fire and rockets have exploded to put chips in their brains. Um, uh, I actually had a long discussion with several groups of people about, um, cybernetic implants, either limbs or brain implants in particular. And, um, one of the things that I kind of rail against is the idea of this, um, for people, um, without a massive consideration to the longevity of that implant because what history has shown me and others um, researchers may feel well you know i'm doing great good because i'm fundamentally doing science and, and moving the bar towards uh, facilitating something that helps the population in the future but i have seen the impact of a defunded research project leaving the person with an implant that is continuing to have issues um, and because there's no more funding software isn't being developed it isn't being removed because it would be medically unsound it would cause greater harm to remove the implant the implant isn't perfectly sealed so there are issues with infection there are in issues with degradation 
there's issues with, and this is going to be the, probably the grossest thing that I've ever said, uh, since I started streaming, there are issues with things leaking, right? So you need long-term care, but the budget is gone. So there is no long-term care and you're left to your own, literally left to your own devices. Um, so Elon Musk Neuralink has apparently been approved for human clinical trials. Um, and it says here, it's said to have been given the green light to test brain implants on humans recruitment, not open yet, but people on the internet say they want nothing to do with it. Much of the backlash is coming from an apparent distrust of Musk and not the tech itself. I, for one, will never let him, um, in particular, be in charge of anything that's going to be going inside my body. Um, but hey, you know, maybe some great good can come of this. Maybe if all he does is become a benefactor and, and pay the bills and reap the rewards and shut up and not try and be the advisor to all things humanity, because he's not the end all. He's the billionaire fever dream, not the true source of all of the wisdom that has made everything happen. He's just, you know, the person with the money. And by proxy, the power through that money to make things get operational. But if not him, then anyone else, anyone else could do it too. Okay, well. Agreed, uh, but there's people <laughs> that would be equally distrusted <laughs> who yeah, yeah. would be funding it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I just, I don't want... I don't want Musk in charge of this. Um, you know, fine, fine. Have a conversation with engineers that aren't, well, Musk. You know, Musk can have a conversation with engineers that aren't Musk. So the source of this article is over at uh, businessinsider.com. Matthew Lowe is the author. And um, yeah, it says recruitment's not open yet. And I, I I'm sure that they're going to find people that are willing to either accept money to become the guinea pig for this, um, or they have nothing else to hope for. So they're willing to take the risk. Um, but I would, I would demand so much long-term care to be, there should be a trust for that's in perpetuity, taking care of me at a level that makes my life better when the product evolves and they can't take what's in my head out and put the new one in without causing so much damage that my quality of life is actually declining except for the science that my existence is providing to the researchers, right? I don't want to just be the lab rat. I want a better life. Um, so it says, but not everyone was enthusiastic about Neuralink's trial getting approved in the kingdom of the checkmark less, sorry, the checkmark less. People are basically reacting with a collective, hell nah. <laughs> the first dudes in line are still going to be apes, one user tweeted. 
um, just say nope, wrote another. The negative comments were largely directed toward Musk, not Neuralink. Neuralink says it's working on developing implants to assist paralyzed people, a feat recently accomplished by Swiss researchers. They provide a link. Um, I don't normally follow the links, so I, I won't follow it here, but um, you definitely can follow the link through Ometown over to uh, Business Insider, or you just go to Business Insider itself and search for people really don't want Elon Musk. Oh, there's more. Sorry. A guy who they actually don't mention anything that they could have just deleted. <laughs> <laughs> the headline still applied. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it says, to be fair, the billionaires trade is an exceedingly ambitious ideas like ha living on Mars, self-driving cars, fixing the problem of traffic and getting people on the internet to discuss things responsibly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sure. Um, but apparently not on Twitter since they're. I know I couldn't connect that last piece. So I was like, mm, I don't know about that one. Yeah. Just like Tesla just like other things bought his way into management. Now, now Twitter is decidedly turning more and more wing nut. And that's what people are talking about. It turning more and more wing nut advertisers are apparently like, Oh, well, we'll go back now. Um, but it's going to be just a shittier place. And frankly, because other wingnut social networks could never get traction because they're insular and, and basically sociopathic. They had to buy, he had to buy a massive network and hand the hat to anybody who had any semblance of care for society. The people that remain are fighting the fight to exist there. Um, having to deal with the sociopathy that exists anyway. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna, there's more to this article, but, um, things start getting convoluted because basically he's got his spoon in everybody's soup. So let's go on to the next article. This is the last article for today. John Wick is already in early John Wick five. Pardon me. John Wick five is already in early development. According to Lionsgate, I haven't even watched all of John Wick four. And well, now that's John, great that there's already another movie being lined up. This is awesome. I love the world building in John Wick. Um, it says though, John Wick four definitely made it seem like the franchise was about to pivot in a somewhat new direction away from Baba Yaga himself. According to Lionsgate, uh, John Wick 5 is definitely on the horizon. I can't continue reading uh, because it's going to spoil John Wick That's 4. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> As you started to read, I thought, I bet there might be spoilers in here. So, like, reading this, I had to force my eyes to read further ahead so that I could go, no, don't, don't, just stop right there. Anyway, John Wick 5 is on the horizon. 
Um, man, I, I don't know if I'm, do I have the internal fortitude to scroll down? I don't, I don't want to. Why did I pick this article? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can just refer everybody over to the article and just say what you like about the John Wick franchise or don't like. So I totally love the world building in this. I think that it has this great steampunky kind of um, character to it while still being really high tech, but stealthed high tech, like their suits are body armor, but you can still walk around with them and you can't tell that they're body armor. Yeah. And I love the style of just like the continental. Like, I just think it's neat where, where they take all the calls and it just, I don't know. There's something about the, just the style of the movie. That's really cool. Yeah. The analog nature of the, the, the tables infrastructure, right? that it, it's all amazing and and it has this old school um like um kings and serfs kind of um process to it but it's modern so it's not really uh like that right but you there are people that are in the culture where they're under the table versus the people at the table and it's a great acronym uh, not, not acronym analogy for the same thing that I've been saying for years and years um, is that people are fighting for scraps on the floor while people are at the table um, enjoying all of our fruits of hard work yet they're not ever fighting for scraps and it's because of the generational wealth being stored and concentrated and sometimes Sometimes out of 8 billion people, you know, maybe a million grab that brass ring, get the opportunity and everybody else is chomping at the bit, willing to step on other people's necks to get an opportunity for that. But it's not going to happen, right? Well, in John Wick, that culture actually still exists, but it's institutionalized and you have these hitters what else does the world building in john wick do because the only thing that we've seen them actually do is issue hits on each other at least through number three right well i mean then it goes kind of sideways but we don't know what the people at the table actually do right we don't know if they produce anything or if they just have a shit ton of money and that's it there isn't anything else there and that's where i want it to go i want more world building but i don't think that keanu reeves is going to be there you know i mean he doesn't he looks a little bit older but not as old as the difference between my age when I was his age and my age now, you know, you can see the difference with me, not with Keanu Reeves. He, he is, 
he's got something going on, some pact. Uh, maybe he really is Baba Yaga. So he, when he's not around anymore, when he's decided that he's done with John Wick, what does John Wick do? You know, does the franchise just die on the vine? Does it change into something else? I want more. I, I, I love the idea behind this world building. I just want more of it. Well, I said something at the beginning of four where I thought they were possibly developing like a John Wick 2.0 because they had a younger, um, they had a younger character. Yeah. So I don't know. It'll be well, we have to see what they do. We have to watch it all. So Charles Pulliam Moore over at The Verge is the writer of this article about John Wick 5 is already in uh, early development, according to Lionsgate. Um, and they kind of like the no shit news. Details are currently slim, but Lionsgate Motion uh, Picture Group Chair Joe Drake says a fifth John Wick is in the works. Um, I'm going to... Yeah, I, I, I have to stop. Dunk. I tomorrow I'll be able to talk about this again um, because they actually just dropped something um, in this that we haven't run across. Right, but I will just say that they're even doing additional um, content or series or whatever. So that'll be neat. Yeah, ballerina. And also continental. Yeah. 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 The, the, uh, okay. That's it. Okay. I have to, I'm going to call it. Um, this is one of the hazards with the way that we do our show, which is we, we basically see a little snippet. We see the headline. We don't read the rest of the article. So our show is a giant reaction video to the news that we get. Um, but sometimes we're a little bit vested in the, in the content. Um, and it's kind of like somebody running into a room while you're reading Harry Potter and screaming Dumbledore dies. And you're like, Oh shit, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and that's what it is below the fold here. If I scroll down a little bit more, there's going to be a spoiler and, uh, they should have put a little spoiler tag. Yeah. Right. Right. In 15 lines, there are spoilers. Uh, well, but I'm I know. So, I Well, I didn't see that, so I thought maybe it was okay to read the article. I'm so afraid to scroll down a little bit further um, because it's it's talking about... It, it dropped Peacock's Continental prequel series starring Mel Gibson. I've been... I have actually taken action to not read about John Wick 4 uh, because... I, I, I had purchased it and I'm waiting for it because I don't go to movie theaters anymore. Um, I don't see them like right out of the gate. Um, anyway, John Wick 5, already in the works. Ballerina with uh, Anna de Armas, which, by the way, she crushes it. She She's pretty badass um, in another movie that we just watched. Um, what was it called? Uh, um, ghost. I forgot the name of it. Uh, yes, ghosted. ghosted. Um, yeah, she's basically 
she's starting to come out in this genre as being the uh what female um keanu reeves john wick i think that she could stand in those shoes um but they're awesome like if they had kids they would probably people would think that they're gods maybe just me i don't know <laughs> i mean did, did i just over pretty high bar <laughs> <laughs> anyway i guess i've got a crush on keanu reeves and, and anna de armas it could be worse right i could have picked two really horrible people anyway <laughs> elon musk DeSantis. Okay. Anyway, that's it. We're going to go back to the front page, the welcome sign of hometown. When we click on the little welcome sign, that is hometown's logo. And obviously we've got more articles. Um, oh man. And the update that's coming for y'all is so neat. Um, and I already have another one on deck for after this one. So please sign up, um, become a citizen of hometown. And, um, I'm trying to hash out a problem with the gamification as well. Um, but beyond that, I'm not even looking at the titles or the headlines because I'm not, I'm actually looking at the, um, reaction by the AI and uh, that's that that's good enough for me look at that Rotten Tomatoes has an article we'll have to talk about it tomorrow yay John Wick universe will expand with a fifth film and spin-offs and more movie news so we'll we'll bring it up again tomorrow that's already selected for tomorrow's show actually yay all right well that's it folks I am Mayor Watt that is hometown.com wait let me scroll up there that's hometown.com. And up there is the AI that is uh, the better half of the administration that runs hometown. You want to say bye? Oh, great AI. I'm not sure I can live up to that. Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. Happy Friday. Friday, Friday. Mm -mm 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 -mm.